0: This week I attended a medical marijuana launch party where I met a colleague, a new colleague, for the first time who was in finance. He had a varied background which I found quite interesting. Everything from chambermaid to uh, IT person to working for PricewaterhouseCoopers and now a Comptroller. But somehow this conversation got to the subject of sex. How unusual. I do seem to have that effect on people. When it was time to leave, the female colleague said to the two of us, Shall we go? This party is pretty useless and there's really no reason for us to be here any longer. The finance guy said, I am sitting here with a blonde who has a plunging neckline and we are talking female orgasm. I'm not going anywhere. I said, buddy, it's over. But I will be talking female orgasms on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health making relationships the best they can be. Feel free to give me a call about any of the subjects that we're talking about tonight. The number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And to help cement the learning for tonight about female orgasms and that it's not just one type of orgasm a woman can have or just one at a time, but multiple. I do have a few vibrators to give away and I'll package them all up. And so you can give me a call 604-280-9898 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell and you can win them for yourself or you can win them for your lover anyway um, there will be information and there already has been information of a sensitive nature so please put the kitties to bed grab your lover or your wife or your husband your partner and have a listen I believe I have a great show for you tonight because I have some phenomenal guests and some other interesting subjects to talk about, such as the latest in in in-home fertility treatments. Did you know that men account for one-third of the fertility issues? Uh, We tend to blame that on women. Anyway, a lot gets blamed on women. But anyway, intimacy. Did you know that men care about intimacy as well? We tend to think that men don't care about intimacy. Definitely not true, and you'll hear a little bit about radical intimacy tonight when my guest support support Kingsbury joins me and of course the elusive female orgasm or the multiple orgasms which women are capable of I had a patient in my office ask me this week if I believed all women were capable of experiencing orgasm now this is a tough question for an optimist to answer but I'll try and answer that for you tonight I did get a great email about a uh, lack of orgasms being a deal breaker in a new relationship and I'll talk to you about that a little bit later in the program Of course, I can never speak about intimate relationships without mentioning the Ray Rice abuse of his now wife. This has once again brought this societal malignancy out of the closet, if only for a time, which is most unfortunate. The most disgusting thing about this situation is that the NFL seemingly hid this and gave only a two-game suspension for somebody who bludgeoned his wife to a state of unconsciousness. His contract has since been terminated, since we all found out about it, of course, since all the bystanders got caught, and he's lost $35 million. I actually spoke to a man that I have a tremendous respect for, and I said, what do you think of the Ray Rice thing? And he said, oh, I feel sad. It's a sad situation. I feel badly for him. I said, badly for him? Why? He said, because he's lost $35 million. It's all about money in the society, isn't it? I I couldn't believe it. Anyway, but this is the attitude. And I said, well, what about his wife, who was beaten to a pulp inside of the elevator? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's too bad as well. But, you know, it really has to do with lack of education. And that's the problem. And these people are are underserved in the U.S. Um, Anyway, we all have our opinions. Needless to say, I blasted him. And I'm not really sure if he's speaking to me anymore. (laughs) Anyway, of course, Ray Rice is going to sue. The the other big uh, confusion here for a lot of people is that his wife, Janae, has stayed, and that seems to surprise everybody, but quite honestly, it doesn't surprise me. If you understand violent, romantic, or intimate relationships, you would expect nothing else. A few facts about abusive women. A woman's life is at much greater risk once she leaves an abusive relationship. Also, a violent relationship is very complex because the cycle of abuse kicks in is, it is at play here, and this includes everything from our society putting men on a pedestal. But the most distinctive aspect about abusive relationship relationships is the distinct pattern that is known as the cycle of abuse or violence. Abuse is rarely constant, but alternates between tension building, acting out, and then that honeymoon period, And the calm. And that's the time where the man says to the woman, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. You know, I love you so much. I just got so jealous of him. I just could never imagine leaving you. And the cycle continues. The tension builds again. And he acts out again. And he's ever so sorry. And she cannot believe that he will ever do it again, and she can change him. And these are the thoughts that a woman has. She also has shame. She thinks, I cannot leave this because I will be so embarrassed. How can I leave this football player who's going to make $35 million? Because money really brings me happiness. But there's no happiness when you are lying in an intensive care unit on a ventilator, which I hate to say she is at great risk for. I've never myself been in a romantic relationship that involved physical, emotional, or psychological torment or violence. But I can tell you that I was in a professional relationship that involved bullying, abuse, and sexual harassment. And I was talking to a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine recently, really, and he asked me why I stayed in the job, why I stayed in the position. And I said, I was there for 12 weeks, okay? And of that 12 weeks, he did not start abusing me because he had a pattern too. And he abused all the women after they were there for four weeks because he got them in a place where he wanted them. I was not the only woman this man abused. He had abused 22 women before me. He had not started abusing me for four weeks. So that brings us down to eight weeks. He went away on vacation for a week. I went away on vacation for a week during that time. So that brings us down to a net Of six weeks. Over four weeks I documented 86 incidents of abuse. This abuse was witnessed. He locked me in my office. He took the door handle off. That is a criminal activity and this gentleman said to me, why didn't you call the police? Because quite frankly at the time I did not know I could call the police. I did not know it was criminal activity. But I will speak for the rest of my days about violence against women. Shortly thereafter this incident I got this radio show and in that bargaining period of mine, your own bargaining that you do in your head, you think, if I am lucky enough to get this radio show, I am going to add violence against women as a subject that is a part of this, because I'm not just going to talk about first world problems like low sexual desire in housewives, but I need we need to address this problem. I work with B C Ending Violence Association, British Columbia, and also the Be More Than a Bystander program of the BC Lions. I walk the talk, and I... I would love anyone to join me on this on this uh, journey that I am on. The other thing I wanted to say, I mean, there's so much I want to say about this, and what we have to do is the, the bystanders never stood up for me, the people who watched it and knew it. Eventually they did, but um, it was almost a little bit too late. Everybody was afraid. Everybody was vulnerable. They were afraid to lose their jobs. And you know what? I needed that job as well, but I needed my life and my soul a whole lot more than that. And I regained all of that. And I got everything back and then some, but I understand it now. And now the power has shifted and I have power over my bully. He's afraid of me. I'm not afraid of him any longer. And he should be afraid of me because I have a phenomenal story that doesn't just involve the abuse of 22 women, but involves greed. And it involves narcissism, sociopathy, lies, criminal activity of the white collar type and many others. And you know what? One day I just might tell my story. But you can rest assured that Janae Rice will continue to be abused by Ray Rice during this time, especially because he will somehow blame her for his contract termination. You don't know what will go on inside the walls of that home, but I know it will not be pretty. All I know is if we as a society do not hold men accountable and educate men and women and girls and boys that violence is wrong and should not be tolerated, We're never going to progress in our society. Anyone who knows about it and does nothing to stop it or report it should also be held accountable with fines and jail terms. This is what is ruining our society. Anyway, just a little rant from Maureen, your host of the sex show. When I come back, the latest in home conception for couples with fertility problems. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, your host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, And uh, I'm now going to talk to you about infertility, female infertility. About 10% of couples in Canada are affected by infertility, and both men and women can be infertile, although often the woman is to blame. According to the Centers for Disease Control, about one-third of the time, the diagnosis is in fact due to female infertility, but one-third of the time, it is also linked to male infertility, and the remaining cases of infertility are due to a combination of factors from both partners. And for about 20% of couples, the cause of infertility cannot be determined. There are many factors, but this is also something that can be heartbreaking. A couple may set out to have a baby and learn that they may or may not be able to get pregnant. This can be heartbreaking. It can be related to age, weight, and many other medical conditions as well. The treatment is expensive. Historically, in vitro fertilization and other types of infertility treatment can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Well, there is a company in the U.S., Renovum Women's Health, that has proprietary technology to significantly reduce that cost and increase the chances of a couple getting pregnant. And Steve Bollinger of Renovum Women's Healthcare joins me on the line. Hello, Steve. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Oh, I'm very well, thank you, and thanks for taking time out of your busy day. You are the president and CEO of Renovum Women's Health and the creator of The Stork. You're a mechanical engineer by training. <laughs> and yeah, that's correct. That's yeah. correct.
1: I've been doing this for been doing this for about 25 years, and I've been blessed in uh, many different fields. I create a plastic and reconstructive company, an interventional radiology company, and a vascular disease. But I really thought that there needed to be something to look back in medicine, and can we help couples on the path of conception, which my wife and I desperately needed help with.
0: It's interesting. A lot of people who do have a personal problem go on to then... Uh, Try and attempt to try and solve those significant problems for others, which I always think is so gracious. Uh, and so, you've invented the stork, and it's now available in Canada, and that provides couples with a feasible, non-invasive option uh, to support natural at-home conception, and it's significantly a lower price to the expensive infertility treatments.
1: Absolutely, it's uh, infertility has been a very interesting space, and there's been a growing gap between natural intercourse and then more aggressive treatments. As you stated, today it's one in six couples. Listen, 20 years ago, it was one in 20. Now we have one in six couples. Everybody knows someone that's having a problem conceiving, and not everyone needs in vitro fertilization. Some people just need a nudge. So we tried to figure out, hey, what have doctors done for years uh, they've come, done a pr- procedure called cervical cap insemination. But when I thought of this and had this uh, revelation, you know, the challenge was men weren't that familiar with condoms and tampons were not that familiar. So they were difficult in kind of translating a medical approach to a private approach. So now today, men know how to use condoms. Females know how to use ta- tampons. So if we could take... The medical approach of cervical cap insemination done in a doctor's office and now do it in the privacy of your own home, wouldn't that be wonderful?
0: Wouldn't that be great? Um, And the stork works to do that and it works by collecting semen into the cervical cap, uh, which is. While having natural
1: intercourse. No change for the male or female practice of making love.
0: Which is fantastic because so many people uh, feel that the spontaneity is taken out of. Sex or intimacy when they have fertility issues, when they're dealing with fertility issues, and that seems to be the number one subject that they are talking about uh, when they experience infertility.
1: Absolutely, when when and I say this in the kindest way, when sex is no longer for fun but for building a family, the couples flip a switch, and all of a sudden they go from a very loving process to a mechanical process. And and what we need to do is try to make it. Let's get a little nudge, let's get them a little better, but let's do it back into the bedroom, not in the doctor's office. It's not for everyone, and it's not utopia, but it definitely does what all the other things do, is trying to get the sperm and the egg closer together with less resistance and less variables.
0: And I like that, getting back to the bedroom, because that's my website, <laughs> www.backtothebedroom.ca. Uh, this is a good little marriage. Anyway, um yeah, and that can really impact intimacy with couples when, that, when all they're talking about is when they're going to have sex or how they're going to have sex or the, the, you know, the expectation and the hope. And there can be lots of letdown, and that can happen repeatedly over time. And when they can take it into their own hands and perhaps have more fun with sex because nothing is changing about sex when they're using the stork, uh, it can be a lot more beneficial.
1: Oh, absolutely. And look at, look, at, look at the process these poor couples go through. Um, and I was one of those couples, but it's different from the perspective of the male and the female's perspective as well. Listen, women have been conditioned with respect to reproduction at the early ages of, say, 14 to 21. You know, they are using birth control pills not for contraception, but to control their fertility. Then, like, say, 21 to 35, they are using all the different uh, contraceptives, condoms, diaphragms, you know, IUDs, and they're controlling it again. Then all of a sudden, they flip a switch and say, hey, I don't want to be a contraceptive. I want to aid in conception. And they start, they start trying, and they didn't even know they only had a 25% chance per month. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with me? Because they've been so conditioned to control it, and it's not that easy to control. That's the challenge. So what we need to do is nudge these couples, give them tools that allow them to increase their opportunity of conception, but still doing it privately.
0: Absolutely, and there's so many factors that affect fertility, and and you spoke a little bit about it. The chances of having a baby decrease by three to five percent every year after the age of 30, and it significantly decreases after age 35, and then to a much greater degree after the age of 40. And often women are focusing on their careers today, and they're not even starting to think about children until 38 or 40. Another well, absolutely. W- another thing I want to mention. I don't. Want, I don't want to fail to mention this. Is weight. I'm a big weight person. <laughs> um, and I had a patient in recently, and she said they were had been trying to have children. They went about three rounds of IVF. And she had done everything in her power to attempt to have a baby naturally, if you will, versus adoption. But she was significantly overweight. I, you know, just by looking at her, I could see she had a BMI of over greater than 30. So she would fall into the obese category. And that's one thing that uh, women can do to increase their rates of fertility. So this cap... I think it's about a, is it, uh, am I correct, that it increases the chances by 10 to 20% of a woman becoming pregnant? Yeah,
2: it gives you
1: this, actually what's cool is cervical cap insemination has been proven to give the same success rate or similar success rate as intrauterine insemination. So interestingly enough, you know, again, if we're just trying to get, everything else is relatively normal, and we just got to get a better concentration of sperm next to the cervix to aid in that mechanical path, that's great. But as you know, timing is important as well. And vaginal pH, goodness sakes alive, as you talked about, the, the female that has a plus or minus just 10 pounds over their, quote, natural body weight can affect their pH. And pH is a very bad thing to be adjusting, especially in fertility, that can actually have great damage to, the, to the, the sperm and semen. So, again, what we do as well, the stork bypasses that hostile, quote, vaginal tract to get the sperm a little more protected on its path to the egg.
0: So they wouldn't even need to lose weight, are you saying, necessarily? Oh,
1: no, no I, I can't say that. Okay. I, Losing weight is is definitely uh, uh, critical because sometimes, as you know better than I do, uh, a female's body weight uh, as well as the male's body weight understands when it's not at its optimal breeding capability and some of the organs change just like their ovulation cycles change.
0: Right. Now, a small group of women may have a cervical condition where the sperm cannot pass through the cervical canal. And this can be due to abnormal mucus production or a a prior uh, cervical procedure, maybe the LEAP procedure. Um, And that can be treated with intrauterine inseminations. Is the cervical cap, is the stork something that can uh, assist with women who have a cervical condition where the sperm cannot pass through?
1: So so, intrauterine insemination, obviously... They enter with a cannula about one centimeter past the cervix into the uh, into the into the va- into the cervical area. So they're already getting close.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if there's blockage in the fallopian tubes, absolutely, this is not a solution for that. That's more IVF, in vitro fertilization, where they kind of get the eggs and sperm together. But if especially on a lot of patients, if the, if the track is open and the cervix is open, yes. But if the cervix is blocked, uh, they're going to have to find another way.
0: Have- Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm the host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And I do love your emails. You can email me at sextalkatcknw.com and I will be reading a few of those a little bit later in the program. You can always call me. For those, that little vibrator package, that little multiple orgasm vibrator package, a few different types of vibrators to give a few different types of orgasms for you. You got to talk to me though. You got to call me. And a lot of you are shy about doing that. But the number to call is 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm not sure why you're shy. I won't bite anybody, maybe. Anyway, um, so we're talking about sex and intimacy and orgasms and radical intimacy, and joining me in the studio is Sapora Kingsbury. She's a, no stranger to this program. Uh, we've learned a lot from her about radical intimacy and polyamorous relationships, and thank you so much for joining me in the studio, Sapora.
3: Thank you for having me. It's good to be back.
0: Oh, it's great. You know, I have to tell you, the last time you were here, I, uh, you were on with somebody who did phone sex, and it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> Uh I don't do phone sex. Um <laughs> But anyway, um then I got a few emails and they actually said that they could have phone sex with you. <laughs> and, Give like, me a call. <laughs> you do phone sex, do you?
3: <laughs> never done it yet, you
0: know. We, we can we all know. do it, okay? <laughs> We're multitaskers, right. women. Anyway, well, great to have you here again. Thank you. Talking about radical intimacy. Intimacy isn't something we think about when we think of men, traditionally. Yes. We think that men don't care about intimacy. We think that women, I I, I think this is a load of bunk, but myself, but women have to have emotional attachment to have uh, intimacy or women need to um, feel Loved and you know, to have this everything working perfectly in the mind before they can actually engage in intimate relationships or sexual activity. And I just don't think that's true. I think we underestimate the value of sexual desire and arousal and that chemistry and that attraction, that physical attraction to somebody. I think that's first and foremost that comes first or (laughs) anyway things may come later um but but we don't think of men but i see a lot of my male patients who if they've Mm -hmm. broken up with somebody or they have a medical condition or they have not been with somebody for 30 years for example they haven't been on a date for 30 years um they miss the intimacy
3: Absolutely. Um, I want to share a story about a male client. Excellent. So um, he he, I had a male client recently come to me, and his original desire was to be a better lover, and he projected a lot into his relationships. And it was in the first session that he actually was able to go into those vulnerable spaces and realize all his fear about being humiliated or being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't just about sex for him. That he actually really craved and wanted that deep intimate connection.
0: And and fear is, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, but fear can also impact relationships. I had a patient who told me that she has met somebody on social media and that she has not met him. They've just been texting back and forth here and there and it's kind of intermittent and it's off and it's not uh, consistent and, and there's mixed messages and there's some flirting and a combination of everything. But she said that she has multiple fears Uh, one fear is that she is going to be attracted to him. The other fear is that she is not going to be attracted to him, but she's not that afraid of that. The other fear is that he will be attracted to her, and the other fear is that he will not be attracted Mm -hmm. to her. So therefore, she is afraid to actually cross over that threshold and take that next step. So for somebody like that, what what would you suggest or recommend?
3: Yeah, someone like that, what's going to be the most important is that they speak up about their fear. I mean, it's like and the who, last thing that the mind... And who is she to speak up to? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one, if, if she has a friend, if if she's working with a professional, um, someone who's qualified to listen to her, usually just having a sounding board mm-hmm. that she can be like, wow, this is what I'm feeling. Because what's right now, her fear, she's stuck in her head. When right. we get stuck in the mind and the head, our heart starts to shut down, our sex starts to shut down. And so as soon as she starts to speak about it and she starts to feel what that feels like she starts to come into her heart and that's going to start kind of the fear loses its grip on her
0: and she release. so she almost releases that fear better to release that fear than because when you keep a fear inside it can build up and and it multiplies or it grows and you think it's going to be just horrible and and you you make it a, you know it becomes infectious and it's just it can actually stop stop you, right? It does. We actually have the suppression start to build up
3: in our emotional body. It starts to block the expression of our love, our heart. It starts to actually disconnect us from our sexuality. Um, yes.
0: Okay. I have Anita on the line from North Delta. Hello, Anita. Hello. De- oh, hi, Anita. How are you? Good. Thanks. Great. So did you have a question about a dildo? <laughs>
2: I Get one of those uh, vibrators for
0: myself. Fabulous! You get two, actually. Hey. <laughs> so I'll package them together. That's great. Um, I won't ask you why. <laughs> <laughs> I know why. It's really important that women uh, ma- self-stimulate or masturbate or or utilize sex toys to aid in that, to um, understand their bodies, and to have actually better. Orgasms, and I'm interested in van- seeing that Vancouver and North Delta has that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, thank
0: you. Oh, you're welcome. And you know, just leave your name with the uh, my tech producer, and uh, we'll have that available for you to pick up. Okay.
2: Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks
0: for the call, Anita.
2: Okay. Bye.
0: Bye now. Hello. Oh, anyway, so we're back to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, of course. See, women are interested in, in multiple orgasms, okay, much as the, uh, people think that we're not, or that we're not sexual beings, or we're not sexual, or we're not, um, that desire isn't a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. Often
3: more women than than men want sex. And it's that fear that we don't talk, people don't talk about it because they're fear of being judged. Exactly.
0: And we're afraid about that. Anyway, I'm going to ask you to stay with me for a few minutes. We're going to go to break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about intimacy and radical intimacy. I'm Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Elton John's playing tonight. I'm not going to ruin his incredible talent by singing to you. That earlier song that played, um, I love that, where it's just Elton John on the piano and there's nothing else in the background. It's so pure. Anyway, um, the song he sang at Princess Diana's funeral. I'm Maureen McGrath. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health and also take your calls, 604 280 And James is on the line. Hello, James.
1: How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm well, thanks. How are you?
1: Good. You ladies having a fantastic night so far? I,
0: uh, always. <laughs> We're Glad always having fun here. <laughs>
1: so I guess I guess why I was calling tonight was I wanted to ask if I could uh, win one of those uh, toys you guys are giving away for my girl.
0: Oh, you certainly can because that's so sweet the way you asked for that.
1: It's actually our anniversary coming up, so I wanted to make sure we have a, a, a nice anniversary.
0: Oh, happy! So you call in for a free for a freebie? No. <laughs> how cheap I am, hey? Yeah, I like it though. I think it's a good idea to be cheap in life, um, or frugal. Now, James, how long have you been together? It's
1: been about four years.
0: Oh, fantastic. on Wednesday. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. Nice. Too long, if you ask me. Too What do you mean too long?
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. She's the best thing that have happened in my life, so I can't complain.
0: Oh, that's so great. Well, James, thanks so much for your call. You can give your information to our tech producer, and um, uh, you can pick it up here at the station. I'll put a little package together for you.
1: You guys are the best. Thanks
0: so much. Oh, Thank you so much. Okay, we have Julie on the line. Hello, Julie. Uh, hello. Hello. Yeah,
3: um, yes, I'm calling for a toy as well
2: for my sweetheart.
0: Oh, is your sweetheart's name Julie? <laughs> <laughs> You're not Julie. I can tell. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave one here for your sweetheart <laughs> here at the station. Uh, I have a whole trunk full of these. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to return them a little while ago after I did a big event anyway so yeah I'll leave that for you if you leave your name and your information with my fabulous tech producer Roman <laughs> um, then we'll get that to you you can pick it up okay I can't actually deliver it I can't send it I can't do anything like well, that oh that's fine you have to come in here I have to set some limits this is my new thing for the fall because I don't have any time to myself and so I'm going to take some time to myself this fall and stop doing E for E everything for everybody But anyway, I'm so glad you called, and um, I hope your sweetheart, Julie, enjoys it. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, so we're here in the studio with Sappora Kingsbury, and she is a radical intimacy expert. Um, So we're talking about that, and we're talking about some of the myths and misperceptions about men and women's sexuality and desire for... Uh, men and women and you know the, the horrible messages that women are given I had a woman in my office this week who told me that she was about 65 years old and she told me that her father educated her about sex mm-hmm. and told her that it was dirty and a- awful and something she shouldn't be doing and so she had a lot of issues in her first couple of years of marriage because that was when she first became sexually active and she's since had a number of relationships and, and it wasn't until she got into her late 50s and 60s that she actually started enjoying sex which is so sad. So we don't think of women as sexual beings or enjoying sex, we don't tell our friends, we don't talk about it, and it actually puts us at a uh, disadvantage, I think.
3: Yes, yes, and we're very sexual, often more sexual than men. And again, it's it's not talked about, rather it's shunned when we can um, j- we can just like have a connection in a moment as two consensual adults and, and go into that and enjoy it and have it be the most blissful, the most connected, the most love-inspiring experience, yet we, we deny ourselves that. Many women do.
0: We do, and women don't support other women, and also we mm-hmm. slut-shame women. Women do that to women. Men do that to women, and, and if women are, are enjoying sex or, or um, you know, sexually active or may have a few partners or whatever, uh, we definitely judge and and put people down for that and so therefore women don't talk about it and we don't teach our nieces and our daughters and our our friends and um, help each other because it's not really an open conversation like I imagine it is for men and I don't know I'm not a man
3: <laughs> you know not often you know I was just I was just speaking to a man yesterday and, and he was speaking of how he would desire to experience a relationship and, and enjoy more sex sex and how he felt closed off because he, he felt that he would be judged if he opened up those conversations. So I feel um, there's many areas I could use communities to have that community support. Say, why don't we just all get together and talk about this? What are your desires? What do you like? You know, and we don't have to be in agreement of the other person, but can we start to at least understand everyone's unique ways and just and be with that and it, not be scared
0: of it? Exactly. I saw something on Facebook, which really was unsettling for me today. And um, it was... Um, how did it go? It said, um, guys, here's a way to get her to hurry up and have an orgasm. And and I thought, you know, women's sexuality is not a reflection of men's sexuality. Um, and why get her to hurry up? Something that is the most pleasurable aspect of a woman's life ever mm-hmm. uh, beats anything else hands down. Um, so why are we going to get, you know, hurry up and get that over with? You know, it could be a little bit related to our lives, but why would men ever want to do that? I don't understand that.
3: You know, I believe it's from conditioning. I don't believe men are even like that. You know, I can say I've had actually recently an experience with a man who, who I supported him to kind of slow down. And we were like hours of massaging and being in the building of pleasure, like very tantric.
0: Um, All the men in Vancouver are walking around touching themselves right now. You realize <laughs> after you just said that, right? Please touch yourself <laughs> for hours. If you can't touch yourself, who can you touch? <laughs> <For hours. laughs>
3: but I think it's something they don't know
0: how. They do. They know how. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they know how. <laughs> I think on... <I'm laughs> But go ahead. I digress. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but when when they're with another person, like you talk about rushing and hurrying up and how the common Western way is is sex with a goal is without the intimacy. It's like, let's get it over with. Let's do it. That's orgasm. That's
0: climax. Together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen, but anyway. Yes. Yet yeah, if. Both it may, just, it if women may. understood that they can have multiple orgasms. Correct. And that's something that women do not understand. And if
3: men learned that they that's weren't going to lose something, that it was safe to actually be intimate and that connected. And I think that's why men are rushing, because it doesn't feel safe for, you, for them to shut down. Yes. And, you know, down.
0: we have to say that some men are absolutely wonderful. And, yes. you know, this does not apply. We cannot tar everybody with the same brush. But um, some men are so wonderful and outstanding about intimacy. And um, so we're not talking to you guys.
3: Yes. <laughs> and we're all learning. We're all in different stages of learning. And I don't believe anyone's bad for what they're doing. It's just, that's learn and grow and understand
0: and shift. That's right. And it's different for different partners. You know, you may not be able to orgasm with one partner, mm-hmm. to experience orgasm with one partner, but you may be able to with another. Um, I wanted to read this email that I I got. I hope you don't mind my talking about orgasm, but I'm sure you don't. I get that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, Fabulous. I've been talking about it all week, and people are like, they're raising it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be talking about that on the show on Sunday. A lot of patients were Mm -hmm. asking me, for example, questions about why is there orgasm Um, more pleasurable or stronger or better when they have a full bladder, for example, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But right now for the email, hi, Maureen, love your show. Wondering if you can give me some advice. I am recently divorced and have met my dream guy. Mm -hmm. I am crazy about him, and we have been sleeping together for a while now. The problem is that I cannot orgasm with him ever. I don't know what is wrong. The big problem is that he says the fact that he cannot make me orgasm is a deal breaker and he is going to break up with me. What's a girl to do? Thanks, Maureen. Down and out, Donna. You know, really sad because this man thinks that her lack of or inability to experience orgasm at this time, and that may be temporary, is, you know, a reflection of him, is that he should be the one to make her orgasm. So, it, Which is really sad. There could be a multitude of things going on mm. about, um, about her inability at this moment to orgasm. Has she been a lifelong person who's not been able to orgasm? Is this situational? What do you think, Sephora? Yeah. So, so one, I don't believe it's a man's
3: or a woman's job to get the other person off or get them to orgasm. It's our own responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I find one that's going to put a lot of pressure on him and her. And, and I believe a lot of it's emotional. Mm-hmm. a lot of times if we get so stuck in our head especially if now she's feeling blamed or feeling disconnected it's just gonna it's just gonna pull her away from her sex absolutely and she's not going to be able to surrender into that
0: orgasm absolutely we learned a lot about orgasm from Masters and Johnson although their, their um, research was limited the uh, researchers who researched female sexuality in the 50s because female sexuality had never really been extensively studied before and they actually looked at at people having sex in their laboratory. And we're going to talk a little bit more about sexual health research when I return. Thank you, support, for coming to the studio. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And like children. Welcome back. Am I t- <laughs> I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm your host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And we're talking about orgasms and their... Uh, women and orgasms, and we may have to continue this to next week because, of course, the hour goes by really quickly, especially when you're having fun. Uh, and I have Lee on the line from North Vancouver. Hello, Lee. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi. Am I on the air? You're on the air.
2: Oh, okay. Great.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks um, for your call.
2: I was just wondering. Yes. Um, I actually had two questions but you might be able to just answer one. I was um, wondering what the difference is between, um, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, between a squirting orgasm uh-huh. and actually urinating. <laughs> uh, and if they come from the same
0: place? It's actually a great question. And no, they do not come from the same place. You can leak urine during orgasm at orgasm and that happens to a lot of women versus female ejaculation and not all women can ejaculate um have a female ejaculation you um so that they are quite different actually and one is not normal of course the leaking of urine is not normal but female ejaculation is
2: okay and how would you know like the but cuz i think i've had one i'm pretty damn sure i have but how would you know like
0: that you have experienced female ejaculation yeah um it's during pleasure um if you it you're, if you're leaking urine you're generally leaking urine at other times as well but not not often not always yeah. um but actually a physician could actually tell because they would examine you, or I could actually tell because during examination, a limited internal examination, we yeah. would actually do a maneuver uh, asking you to bear down or to cough um, and to actually see if you're leaking urine and actually to see the weakness there. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's mainly the difference. But oftentimes, women cannot tell the difference between the two.
2: Okay. Is there any problem, like, would it affect the guy at all? Like,
0: Well... Um, no it 's not going to harm him in any way not going to harm him in any way if you leak urine on him Le- urine is <laughs> sterile until it hits the air um, it 's embarrassing for people um, often they do confuse it with female ejaculation and uh, oftentimes women will leak urine and then they 'll have a procedure like a transvaginal tape procedure done because they leak urine with cough or exercise or sneezing and or jumping on the trampoline and then they'll have this procedure the TVT, and then they'll come back and they'll say well i used to ejaculate and now i no longer do and um but it was actually urine the whole time so uh leaking urine the whole time so it's not going to cause you any harm all
2: right um, can i ask another question
0: absolutely um, <laughs> i think hurry because we've got a minute left
2: okay is it true that um if um uh, uh maybe i'll i'll let it go oh but, um, you don't have any prizes left, to you? Yes, of
0: course I do for you. Just leave your name with the tech producers and uh, call me next week or email me com and I'll answer that next question and all your questions. Nick ne- you. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for calling. I'm going to be uh, next Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning over at Jericho Beach because I'm going to be walking with the Bladder Cancer Awareness. Uh, Bladder Cancer Canada is having their annual awareness walk. So come and join us. Uh, raise some money for a great cause bladder cancer. My website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter at back the number to the bedroom. I am Maureen McGrath. And thank you so much for listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks to my fabulous tech producers here. The team here, I'd never be able to do without them. Zahir and Roman. It takes two to help me. Anyway, um, until next week or in, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. Have a sexually healthy week.